Hey, welcome to today's program. Hi, Stu. Hi, Glenn. How are you? Good. How are you? Yeah, good. Yeah. On today's program, we should talk a little bit about fried and fatty foods and Lizzo. <laughs> I think I think that should come up at some point. We should address it. We should address it. Yeah, we'll it. try to get that in before the end of the show. Okay, good, good. <laughs> uh, let's see. We've got, uh, we've got Mike Lee on. There's two polls out. One that says he's at 11 points uh, ahead. And another one that says he's six. And I saw another one this morning that says five points. ahead. The guy should be 25 points ahead. So who is, you know, Egg McMuffin that's running against him? Well, he's going to give you the lowdown on Egg McMuffin. And when you find out who this guy really is and what his plan really is, it is uh, it's really obvious. Very obvious. Also. Blake Masters. Some news on Blake Masters. Yeah, it looks like his libertarian opponent has dropped out and endorsed Blake Masters. So that race is really, really key and crucial in the Senate, uh, when the race for Senate control. We can get into that as well right. today. Dennis Prager joins us as Dennis well. Prager, Mike Lee joins us. Also, we have the affidavit. In fact, we start the podcast with the affidavit. Um, that is, it has a couple of... Strange problem might work out to be nothing, but a couple of things in the affidavit that don't really seem right. Mm. Do they? No. Yeah. Not at all. Uh, well, by the way, we also have the election night coverage coming up on Blaze TV. Make sure to be part of that. BlazeTV.com slash Glenn. And uh, we also streamed the first hour of the show on YouTube for the first time today. So And you, it might be the last time. I might, don't know. I don't know. We're kind of doing it as an experiment if people want to check it out and watch the feed live. Yeah. So if you want to, you can check that out. Uh, YouTube.com slash Glenn Beck. Also, YouTube.com slash Studios America. Go there and subscribe to both wow, channels while you're at it. Oh, geez. <sighs> if you're one of the million Americans who suffer every day from stew, <laughs> no. I can't help you. I've tried to fire him. And he just won't go away. Keep showing up. Listen, here's what I want you to do. Try Relief Factor if you have pain and you just can't get rid of it and you're just, you've tried everything. Please don't give up. We need everybody on board. We need everybody on the field right now. There's no, there's nobody in the stands, okay? No, I'm just going to watch this game. I'm going to sit this one out. No, no, you'll end up being on the wrong side. Trust me, you need to be on the field and we need you. So, get your life back. Try Relief Factor. Three-week quick start. Try it for $19.95. 70% of the people who try it go on to order more. You want a drug-free and natural way to get your life back? It's relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, Stu. Glenn, how are you? Oh, my. Wow. I just. Mm. One week until the election. One week. And we've got some big news. Big news. And a lot of election coverage today. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, also Dennis Prager joins us today. So it's going to be a great show. Okay. Let me give you just uh, some of the highlights from the affidavit, the important part of the affidavit. This is the story now from the police that uh, Paul Pelosi uh, had a break in at his house and they arrested this guy named the Pepe and uh, he he spilled his guts. He sang like a bird 
as soon as they read him his Miranda rights, and here's what he said. De Pepe said he pulled a hammer from Pelosi's hand and swung the hammer, striking Pelosi in the head. Now, I want to go back just a little bit here because I need you to hear what the uh, police said at first. At 2.31 a.m., San Francisco Police Department, the officer Colby Wilms responded to the Pelosi residence, knocked on the front door. Now, listen to this, because this is odd. When the door was opened, Pelosi and DePape were both holding a hammer with one hand, and DePape had his other hand holding onto Pelosi's fire of a forearm. Pelosi greeted the officers. Now, wait a minute. Hang on a second. First of all, what do you mean the door was opened? Who opened the door? Was Stretch Armstrong there? How did... What, what happened? Who opened the door and when they opened it Pelosi and DePape were both holding a hammer with one hand DePape had his other holding on to Pelosi's forearm so we know it couldn't be DePape that opened the door and again unless Pelosi is Stretch Armstrong who opened the door Pelosi greeted the officers hey how are you guys doing the officers asked what what was going on. De Pepe responded that everything was good. Officers then asked Pelosi and De Pepe to drop the hammer. Here's the affidavit now. De Pepe pulled a hammer from Pelosi's hand and swung the hammer, striking Pelosi in the head. Officers immediately went inside and were able to restrain De Pepe. While the officers were restraining De Pepe, Pelosi appeared to be unconscious uh, unconscious on the ground. Officers removed a cell phone, cash, clipper cards, and an unidentified card from DePepe's right shorts pocket. So he wasn't in underpants. He was in shorts. DePepe uh, provided officers his first and last name. After officers asked DePepe if he had ID on him, DePepe said, yeah, it might be in my backpack on the back porch. He later stated, my backpack's near the broken glass, dudes. When officers removed DePape from Pelosi's residence, police body-worn camera footage showed a glass door that appeared to be laminated glass broken near the door handle. San Francisco Police Department uncovered zip ties in the Pelosi bedroom and also in the hallway near the front door of the Pelosi residence. In addition... In addition, law enforcement searched DePepe's backpack at the Pelosi residence. They found, among other things, a roll of tape, white rope, one hammer, one pair of rubber and cloth gloves, and a journal. So there were two hammers, but one was in the backpack. Uh, Witness statements. Uh, San Francisco police officer Colby Wilms was able to interview a witness, witness one, who saw an individual all in black carrying a large black bag on his back walking near the Pelosi residence where witness one was parked. Okay, so hang on just a second. So if he was all dressed in black, did he put black face on his legs? Because we just found out he was wearing shorts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you can be dressed in black and have your 
very white skin showing. Yeah, it would be weird. That's what we're doing today. (laughs) Yeah, witness number one was working private security and an address nearby. Witness one then heard what he sounded like a banging on either the door or a car and heard sirens within a minute or two. Pelosi was interviewed by the police officer, um, um, Adrian Stark, in the ambulance during the transport San Francisco General Hospital. Pelosi stated he had never seen DePape before. Pelosi was asleep when he came into his bedroom and stated he wanted to talk to Nancy. When Pelosi told him that Nancy was not there, he said, well, he just sit and wait. When he then said, Nancy's not going to be home for several days, (laughs) DePape reiterated he would wait. Pelosi was then able to go into the bathroom um, in which he was able to call 911. He stated when the officers arrived, that was when DePape struck him with a hammer. In subsequent interview with law enforcement officers, he said that uh, the hammer did not belong to the Pelosi family. In a Mirandized and recorded interview by the San Francisco police, DePape stated he was going to hold Nancy hostage and talk to her. If Nancy were to tell DePape the truth, Mm. he would let her go. Oh, if she lied, he was going to break her kneecaps. DePape was certain that Nancy would not have told the truth. In the course of the interview, DePape articulated uh, he viewed Nancy as the leader of the pack of lies told by the Democratic Party. DePape also later explained that by breaking Nancy's kneecaps, she would then have to be wheeled into Congress, which would show other members of Congress there were consequences to actions. DePape also explained generally that he wanted to use Nancy to lure another individual to DePape. DePape um, stated that he broke into the house through the glass door, which was a difficult task and required the use of a hammer. DePape stated that uh, Pelosi was in bed, appeared surprised by DePape. DePape <laughs> yeah, told, told, I'm sure. Yeah. DePape told Pelosi to wake up. DePape told Pelosi that he was looking for Nancy. Pelosi responded she wasn't present. Pelosi asked how they could resolve the situation. And uh, let's see. And what DePape wanted to do. He stated he wanted to tie Pelosi up so DePape could go to sleep as he was pretty tired because he had to carry a backpack to the residence. Doesn't that seem like your average hippie? Yeah, I had to walk up all these hills. I'm sleepy. Why don't you, you keep your eye out for the coppers while I take a nap? Around this time, DePape started taking out twist ties from his pocket so he could restrain Pelosi. Pelosi moved towards another part of the house, but DePape stopped him. Together, they went back to the bedroom. While talking with each other, Pelosi went into the bathroom where he grabbed a call, a phone to call 911. He said, DePape said he felt like Pelosi's actions compelled him to respond. He remembered thinking there was no way police were going to forget about that phone call. DePape explained he did not leave after Pelosi's call to 911 because much like the American founding fathers with the British, he was fighting against tyranny without an option of surrender. Okay, now here's the interesting thing. DePape stated that they went downstairs to the front door. The police arrived and knocked on the door and Pelosi ran over to open it. Pelosi then grabbed onto DePape's hammer, which was in DePape's hand. At this point in the interview, he repeated that DePape did not plan to surrender and he would go through Pelosi. 
Okay, so wait. I'm just, why would you go back to the hammer? Police are there. Why would you go back to the hammer? That doesn't make any sense. There's something wrong with the door thing. I don't know what it is, and it might be just a error somewhere, but yeah. it's there's something wrong with that. We should eventually know. We should see because the there should video. Be video, right? We should see the video. Um, now, when he's talking about founding fathers, that's weird because remember that thing we fixed after 9-11 when people overstay their visas? Mm-hmm. You know, we kick them out right away mm-hmm. so we know who's here because that right. was so important. Oh, that I'm was, very concerned about security. Yeah, and Department of Homeland Security, that's what they do. This guy, uh, long time overstay. Uh, he's a Canadian. He's an illegal alien from Canada. So he's really into our founding fathers? This hippie that has Black Lives Matter uh, on, his, on his house? Really? It's an interesting profile of a person, I'll tell you that. It sure is. Mm-hmm. It sure is. Uh, my guess is he's crazy. But I just want to point out how good it is of the media. You know, they haven't figured out the January 6th pipe bomber. Can't find him. Don't know where he is. Don't know who he is. What? Yeah, we have video, but what are we going to do with video? I mean, it's not like we have facial recognition or anything like that. We couldn't try. He's on the phone at the time. There's no way we could triangulate and uh, find out, you know, where he was, who he was by just using a phone like that. Of course, we haven't found the Supreme Court leaker, a single one of Epstein's clients, uh, we have we don't know the motive of the Las Vegas shooter, but uh, Paul Pelosi, that midnight visitor, man, they knew he was a Republican that fast. And it was it's good to know. It's good to know. By the way, um, <clears throat> the mainstream media, and here's the problem. The mainstream media picks and chooses if it was. If it was, you know, uh, fair and honest and balanced and they told the truth about everything, you know, you wouldn't have this argument. Um, But, uh, you know, the right wing is out of control. It's weird because um, I don't think it was the ones who uh, was responsible for burning cities down and hundreds of attacks on Republicans. So, I mean, I don't know if you know this, but there are 639 receipts for their violence and mass shooting. Um, There was the time that uh, Jane Fonda promoted kidnapping, caging and raping Baron Trump. I love that one. That was that was a super favorite. Uh, They attacked Roger Stone's handicapped wife while walking a dog, vandalized the homes of political opponents, tried to kick in the front door of Tucker Carlson, a journalist that stabbed two uh, Trump supporters, uh, the home of a Trump supporter that was bombed. They drove through a crowd of Trump supporters. Uh, they've left dead animals and uh, threats outside of Republican homes. Uh, they've threatened to burn down the homes of Trump supporters, shot at Trump supporters, fired a gun at a march, beat a 77-year-old for wearing a MAGA hat, threatened Republicans on Twitter every day, sent ricin to Trump, taught leftists to hate students. They've defaced property of Trump supporters, uh, they egg children at a at a Trump rally. Um, teachers threaten death on GOP. They've beaten a 12 year old boy uh, for a Trump sign, beat a woman for wearing a Trump hat. They've destroyed property. We have 300 stories 
like that. Just thought I would. You know, but that, um, real quick, that New York Post hacker last Friday, the guy who uh, wrote uh, Rufo, he took over the feed of the New York Post. He worked at the New York Post. Okay. He's apologized. He said, oh, man, it was just the utmost betrayal of my of my people. I, I, I you know, pretended to hack into the New York Post uh, website. And, uh, you know, it was my job. But it, my, I let my stupidity get the best of me. But I want you to know I, I deserve to get fired. But it wasn't politically motivated. Uh-huh. Let me just give you a few of the posts. Rufo, we must destroy and imprison union teachers. Zeldin. Eric Adams is New York City's fried chicken-eating monkey. Uh, Governor Abbott, I'll order Border Patrol to start slaughtering illegals. Zeldin, I'll rape and batter Hochul's sorry ass. Uh, the New York Post, uh, he also posted, we must assassinate AOC for America. Um, Divine, we must murder Joe and Hunter Biden. The New York Post, uh, he posted, uh, Frank... I'll beat up the sorry-ass Bergen bitches like Gottheimer and his family. I don't know why people say that those were politically motivated. I I mean, maybe there's the slightest hint of politics involved, but it's difficult to detect Mm. unless you're really a trained observer. Yeah, yeah. I could go on. I have 135 attacks on pro-life people uh, just between May 3rd and uh, September 24th. But remember... It is the Republicans that are conspiracy theorists. Oh, one more thing. Just one more thing. I'm sorry. Uh, Kathy Hochul has come out yesterday with a very important thing. She says that the people who mention, you know, anything to do with the race being fixed, data deniers and conspiracy th- uh, theorists. She said these are master manipulators um, and, you know. There's a conspiracy that they're peddling now that they there's there's this conspiracy going all across America to convince people that in Democratic states, they're not safe. Wow. What a conspiracy that is. Who's the conspiracy theorist? This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Adia Wushner is uh, joining us now. She's from Yes for Life, Kentucky. She's a chairwoman. Um, and uh, there is a constitutional amendment number two uh, in Kentucky, and it is really important. Uh, Representative Massey told me about it, and so we wanted to get Adia on with us. Hello, Adia. How are you? I'm great, Glenn. Thank you for having me on today. You bet. And now explain what uh, amendment two is. On November 8th, Kentuckians, when they go to the poll, they will have a choice facing them, which is a pro-life amendment on our state constitution. We have two amendments proposed. Amendment 2 will explicitly affirm that the Kentucky Constitution contains no right to abortion or the government funding of abortion. It allows this amendment very simple language, extremely simple and the response, of course, is yes, as we're trying to that. But I'm going to read it to you to protect human life. Nothing in this Constitution shall be construed to secure or protect a right to abortion or require the funding of abortion. OK, I would Short, vote for that. 
how how is what is the mood of the uh, the state in Kentucky about abortion? Because would that take away the right for rape and incest? Well, it, it again, it at this level, at a constitutional level, it leaves all of that up to the lawmakers that make the laws and make policy surrounding abortion. Uh, so you, what right you're now, saying is it has to be. It has to go into the House and the Senate and the governor because the Constitution is silent on it or not silent on it. It has it. It it does not address it at all. Right. Right. And you can't and you can't have then radical judges trumping up sometime trying to find, let's say, a right to abortion where there is none in the Constitution and, and trying to use that. We're already We've got court cases because we've got a trigger law. Kentucky has a rich, rich history. It's part of the fabric of who we are that we have protected life. Going back to the first laws on the books in 1910, of course, as those were reaffirmed in 1973, Roe, the Roe court decision, put suspended all across the country all the state laws. Since then, there have been subsequent laws created and made, and we've been in the courts ever since. Um, mm. I served in the House, and in 2018, we passed a law banning live dismemberment next to partial birth abortion, the most gruesome form of abortion. We've been in the in the federal courts since 2018 on that, four years fighting that issue. I have to tell you, I, I, I mean, Adia, you know, everybody has their own lines, but when it comes to uh, dismemberment and partial birth abortion and birthday abortion. Uh, my gosh, uh, I can't believe that a, a, a party, not the fringes, but the party would actually stand up and say, yes, that's what we're for. There used to be, you know, at least people were lying when they said, oh, no, 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 we don't want that. Uh, now there's just no shame. There's no fear of, I don't know, eternal damnation of saying, I want to dismember a baby. Well, and that's the concerns. We will be fighting all of those issues in the courts because they're going to come back up. You know, they often ask if they're a compromise. We have a trigger law that referred back to our original laws in the books protecting the life of the mother and the bodily in- integrity. We're in the courts right now. We're in the courts over a heartbeat on, on the state level since the overturning of Roe. Right now, there are no abortions taking place in Kentucky, uh, but because we've got the constitutional amendment, we're in the courts, and they're waiting for the, de- the decision so we can return back to the courts a week after the, constitu- the election. But, you know, basically voting yes We'll say that every human, including babies in the womb, deserve the most fundamental human right, the right to life. It will ensure that Kentucky's Human Life Protection Act and the heartbeat law and other pro-life laws continue to prohibit the killing of unborn children in the womb. It would allow our representatives, our House and Senate members, not active its judges, to make those decisions mm. for and the people of Kentucky, the people who are elected to represent them. And it's also going to protect our taxpayer dollars, because one thing has always been clear, no matter what side of the this issue you may rest on, the citizens do not want their taxpayer dollars funding abortion. That has broadly been supported in a, bi- in a bipartisan manner. It is, uh, you know, it's it's awful um and 
really causes me um, great grief to pay my taxes, knowing that some of my money is going to pay for abortions or to fly people for abortions. It, it's obscene. We've we've always said we were against that. And the federal government has just gone into it. And, you know, if a state is doing it, I, I and, and we saw we saw this year, you know, the battle over, you know, the Hyde Amendment has to be affirmed on a federal level every with every budget. You know, it's a, it's a process. Right. Right. And we saw the, the debate over that. And there are 16 states that we know, 15 or 16, that currently do use taxpayer fund dollars. We've we've voted that in uh, by the members of the General Assembly, have strongly said we won't. But we need to affirm it in our Constitution. I mean, we're talking about keeping, making sure that our Constitution reflects Kentucky's values. The amount of money pouring into the state from radical outside entities is unbelievable. From California, uh, former mayor of New York, uh, Mayor Bloomberg, from Massachusetts, from those who want to undermine the values of of Kentuckians. So is this well publicized? Do people understand it in Kentucky? We have been working. We have been working. We formed an alliance of partners uh, right after this piece of legislation that would put this on the ballot formed. And that's with the Catholic Conference, the Kentucky Baptist uh, Convention, the uh, Family Foundation, my organization, which is Kentucky Right to Life. And we have chapters throughout the state, the Commonwealth Policy Center and uh, Sisters for Life. We formed a coalition. We began educating the, the public. What's amazing is how much money we knew we'd be outspent, but they have outspent us five to one. How much oh, yeah. money they would pour into Kentucky right. to undermine the the votes of Kentucky citizens. The grassroots in Kentucky is amazing. Pastors and individuals, uh, people putting up large uh, billboards in their own communities, running ads in their local papers, and um, speaking, you know, within the context because this doesn't fall under the Johnson Amendment. You can speak about this at church. It, it so it allows that because it's a ballot and a, and a moral initiative. Well, I will tell you that nothing is time, gonna, nothing is banned by the Johnson um, initiative. That, there's that that's a fallacy. People, I'd love for that to be tested uh, because uh, it, we're the only ones that abide by that. The Democrats never do. Adia, thank you so much for bringing this uh, to my attention. It's Amendment 2 in Kentucky, a constitutional amendment, number two. Uh, it needs to pass. You would vote yes on that if you uh, would like to get the courts out of your face. There's also something else, uh, and it's, being, it's a, um, a very rare letter. Uh, to all Detroit parishioners of the Catholic Church, the uh, Archbishop warns of an extreme abortion initiative. Uh, it's uh, proposition or proposal number three. It's the Reproductive Freedom for All Constitutional Amendment. Um, the Archbishop says it would have a vast and extreme consequence for Michigan if it passes. The Archbishop said, turning the state into ground zero for abortion extremism in the United States. He said, if you live in Michigan, you would vote no on Proposal 3. Um, it's 50-50 it's right now. And it is going to be our churches that make the difference. People who are people of faith 
and churches that are speaking out about these things uh, are going to make all the difference in the world. So, again, constitutional amendment in Kentucky, that's number two. Yes. Uh, And if you live in Michigan, when it comes to proposal number three, you want to vote no. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Dennis Prager, my friend, how are you? My standard answer for the last few years, since I'm asked it a lot doing a talk show, as you, as you well know, my standard answer has been better than my country. Okay, well, you have a lot of downer that is. Uh <laughs> that was a great so let me ask you dennis uh the- yeah, wait 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 i want to mull over that it is a doubter <laughs> i agree with you but it, it, the, the the problem is it's true i know <laughs> it is it is crazy how fast we have hit the skids here i mean it's it is getting faster and faster every day and i think god's I think God's protection has been removed, and we're just going over a cliff. Well, you know, we're both religious men, and I uh, I just completed the third volume of my five-volume Bible commentary, so I'm into this stuff. Yeah. It's an interesting question about God's protection. Uh, I have a slightly different view, and I'm very God-centered, as you well know. Yeah. Uh, I... I believe that God gave us the formula for a good world, mm-hmm. and if we screw it up, he allows us to do so. Correct. So I, 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 I don't know how much he is the actor. I know, look. Uh, why so wait, I, wait, 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 wait. Uh, I, yeah. I, I want to make sure, because that sounds like a deist point of view. That God's oh, a no, watchmaker no. Okay, and just good. hands off. Fair, yeah, oh, no, no, no. Okay, it's a very fair question. I, I am the opposite of a deist. God knows me. God knows you. God judges me. God judges you. God cares about our uh, activities. Uh, God, uh, in his time, intervenes. But I, I cannot rely on his intervention. Oh, no. Given that, that's all I'm saying. Yeah. That so, my... so let me let me see if we're saying the same thing because I believe that unless we are, you know, it's it's like God, God's like the ultimate dad, just saying, "Hey, look, my house, my rules," uh, and you know that's going to leave a mark. Don't 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 run down the stairs. You're going to trip and you're going to fall. It's going to leave a mark, and then you just keep doing it and you trip and fall. And your dad is there to comfort you and make you feel better, but he's not going to save you from doing stupid things. And until exactly. we okay. recognize <laughs> what right. we've done and apologize and humble ourselves. there's nothing he can do because we need right. to feel so, the pain so of our we, own actions right that that's exactly that's exactly right so nine neither of us is a deist it's a <laughs> god who, who knows what is happening right uh but my 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 major message of all of my life because every so often i sit back on my show and i reflect so what have I what have I really pushed for the last forty years as a talk show host? And I have an answer, and I've been giving this answer all, all of these years. My primary message is 
you need to know the consequences of secularism. Mm-hmm. And th- that too few religious people are making that case. They make the case for faith, but they don't make the case for the consequences of secularism. And I have found that that is a more effective way of intellectually winning people over to a God-centered life. Make that case. Yes. So, actually, there's a line from Chesterton that summarizes it. There are many different ways of putting it, but here's one. When people stop believing in God, they don't believe in nothing. They believe in anything. Right. And we are living that. Anyone who says men give birth is an ode to the, the power of religion. Hang on because just a no second. Religion... Hang on just a second. I have to play something that we found. We've had it in our archive. We played it at the time, and it is so appropriate to play right here. Here's Dennis Prager. What was it, five years ago? Uh, yeah, play the uh, clip. You know, Bill Maher? Yes. Bill Maher? Listen to this. Okay, These are giant left-wing lies. We're talking about degrees. To say that men can menstruate is a lie. And that is now, that is what is said. Wait, 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 where did that I, I never, you never heard it. Right. Okay, check it out, folks. Check it out. Anyone who says a man cannot menstruate is considered transphobic. I, I, I missed this whole story. Yeah, you did. I did. I tell, no, tell me where, so where, where are you getting it. this? Just Google it. Can men menstruate? Who, who is saying this? You're who talking saying about a very small no. Oh, really? Then how do you allow men, biological men, to run against women in, in the races in Connecticut and set all the high oh, school oh, records? Okay, I know, but that's... Oh, they're, they're called men. No, no, the Nation see, magazine I wouldn't... said they're, they're, okay, they're women. Okay, Stop. Would... Here they are making fun of you, Dennis, just a few years ago. And we've been saying these kinds of things from the beginning. And I want to know from you, what are your thoughts on they go from laughing and saying that's ridiculous, to then being the ones that line up and say, you're a transphobe, and doing exactly what you predicted. It shows you the speed with which a, a, a brainwash, when people don't have a, a foundation of reality, can take place. It, the speed, this was, by the way, you said five. I just want you to know it's exactly three years ago. Oh, my it gosh. Was November Three November 2019, ago. right before the lockdowns. Oh my god! That's it. Three years ago, I was I was laughed at on national television because I came up with this absurdity that men that people say men menstruate, and and now as I pointed out, as you just pointed out, if you if you deny that men menstruate, you're a hater. So the there are so many lessons here. First of all. As I, I wrote many years ago, the left keeps me religious. My, my road to God is, is not the, the typical one. Uh, the consequences of the death of God make me more religious than, than any specifically religious thing in, it, in and of itself, other than the study of the Bible, which is why I'm writing my Bible commentary. But uh, uh, that's, that's what has... Re- and, and let me put it to you this way. If, if the anti-religious left, which, and the left since the French Revolution has hated religion, uh, if the anti-religious left produced good people, rational people, fine people, a world of, of goodness and, and gratitude and all the good things, I would find my religiosity challenged because I, I would say, look, the people who hate religion 
produce such marvelous results. But the fact that the people who hate religion are sick puppies and bad uh, in, in most cases and are utterly destructive since and the you're French not you're Revolution. not talking about you're not talking about necessarily atheists. You're talking about people no. who hate religion. Yeah, that that's correct. They yeah. were wonderful atheists. That's right. Exactly right. A- absolutely. And there were some uh, not, not so terrific or religious people. Yes. But the, the but here here here's another way of putting uh, my answer to your question. The there is no wise secular institution and the most absurd secular institution is the university. The university is proof that the death of God leads to idiocy. It, it is. You're right. If you don't believe, I mean, Nietzsche said this, you don't believe we've killed God. God's dead. Be careful because right. people are going to have a God right. and we are now worshiping. Uh, I think we are on the verge of actually satanic worship. I mean, it's coming. There was this video. Do we have that video from yesterday? Um, There's this video out of Texas where there was this, uh, I don't know, street fair. And the Texas uh, satanic temple was set up and people are getting unbaptized. And as they do it, the guy says, pray Satan. And the guy receiving the unbaptism saying it right back to him. It's nuts. Well, you know, one doesn't even have to believe literally in Satan right. to uh, use, the, use the term to describe the uh, removal of girls' healthy breasts because they say at 18 or earlier that they, uh, that they are a boy. It, it, that, I, I have to admit, as a religious Jew, Satan uh, is not something that is part right. of normative Judaism. Right. However, I, I have come to take the idea at least seriously, because there's no other way to explain the evil that has overtaken children's hospitals. Yeah. The medical profession is not the friend of my society, and it is, mm. it is now abusive of children in a way that no one could have imagined 10 years ago, let alone 50. That they, they are, the number is now, what is it, between the ages of 17 and 25, we're approaching a half million kids who say they are the other sex. You can't be the other sex. I mean, it, it, it's the enormity of the evil is only equaled by the enormity of the lie. It is. It's remarkable, uh, Dennis. This this happening um, in our medical community, and that's not the only thing they're talking about. You know. How can I treat a hater if they come in to receive treatment? If they haven't had their vaccine shots, we should let them die. No treatment for them. I mean, we are seeing the beginnings of the stuff that happened over in Europe a century ago. And, and, it's, and, and the same people are doing it. The, the, the medical establishment and progressives are going right down the same, the same place, the same road. That's, that's so it would appear. Uh, it's very painful to me. My, I have a, a wonderful brother who's a professor of medicine at an Ivy League university. He's a very, very good man. 
So it's very painful for me to attack the medical profession. Doctors have saved my life. Oh, yeah, me they've too. Saved, they've saved, yes, exactly. Uh, so I, I can chew gum and walk at the same time. But the profession as such is so corrupt. Uh, the American Medical Association has announced, the American Medical Association, I repeat, has announced that the sex of a newborn should not be listed on the birth certificate because they, they, they have now subscribed the American Medical Association to the notion that human sexual identity is non-binary. I mean, it's so dangerous. And, well, it, it's it, dangerous is an understatement. We're, we're entering the realm of the preposterous as normative in the sciences. But why that does that? Why is that more than dangerous? Because I describe it as dangerous. You say it's more. What What happens if that if we go continue yes, down no, this that's line? Very fair. What, what is worse than dangerous? A- actively destructive. Yeah. It, it, dangerous is you know uh, if you uh, if you go through a red light, but if somebody now manipulates the lights to be red when they should be green, that's active destruction. The medical profession is engaged in active destruction. Scholars went back years ago and they tried to figure out who who really influenced the founders and our founding documents. The number one source was the Bible. Out of that, by far, the number one source was Deuteronomy. Uh, we have uh, our good friend Dennis Prager, host of the Dennis Prager Show and founder of Prager University, uh, here to tell us all about Deuteronomy. It's uh, from his series on the Rational Bible, the Rational Bible, Deuteronomy. Welcome, Dennis. Well, it, it, it's... Uh, I'll begin at the beginning. The I have a statement that you'll find, you, you Glenn, will find of particular interest, I think. And this is the way I put it. I don't believe in the Torah, that's the first five books of the Bible, and they're, they're considered first among equals uh, in, uh, in Judaism. The whole Bible is, is holy, but the first five books ha- have a unique significance, and, and they did to Jesus as well. Jesus cited Deuteronomy right. the most outside of Psalms, and uh, the, the founders cited Deuteronomy uh, more than any book in Second place was Montesquieu, the French Enlightenment thinker. So it's even more than secular work. So oh, yeah. here's my saying. I don't, I don't believe in the Torah because I believe in God. I believe in God because I believe in the Torah. Uh, the first five books, which have everything that is ultimately to follow, love your neighbor, love God, the Genesis, uh, the Exodus, the Ten Commandments, the Garden of Eden, it, it's all there in the first five books. And if people understand them, they will take God and, and seriously, and they will gain immeasurable wisdom. So it's been my life project, since I know biblical Hebrew very well, it's a blessing in my life, uh, to write a commentary on the first five books. Genesis and Exodus are out, and now Deuteronomy has just come out. So... Um... Dennis, the when the the two founders were saying we missed too much Deuteronomy, we didn't put enough Deuteronomy in there. We've got about 90 seconds before the break, and then we'll come back and get, you know, some more insight. But um, what do you think they were talking about? 
Deuteronomy has the most laws in the Torah. All the laws of the Bible are in the Torah, the first five books. There are 613, to be precise. And Deuteronomy has approximately 240. Uh, It's Moses' summary of everything that transpired, both the events and the theology, uh, and and to cite a third, even though I use the word both, uh, the, uh, the summary of these laws. And... When we come back, I, I will I will give examples. Well, I give one now because we ha- we have the time. There's there's a phenomenal statement. If you seek him, you will find him. Uh, that alone is worth the the reading of Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. And you see, pe- people think that faith comes to you sort of like falling in love. You'll fall in faith. Uh, there is nothing worthwhile in life that you don't have to work for. And that is therefore one of my favorite lines in Deuteronomy and in the Bible. If you seek him, you will find him. 